Welcome to Island Baptist Church, today's sermon is over Zechariah, chapter 3 verses 1 through 5, entitled, The Accuser, the Accused and the Advocate. Zechariah 3, which is officially referred to as his third, fourth vision, other people say it's his third. Like I said, it's, some people say there's ten visions here, other people say there are eight. The bottom line is it's no less or more words, it's just the way they divide them, and, and so sort of irrelevant it's preachers that don't have enough else to do, I think, coming up with stuff like that. But anyway, call it what you want, he does see these other things. Remember, Zechariah has, in one night, eight visions, or however you break them up, ten or eight visions, all, all right in a row, one after another. So basically, his entire book was written for him in a single night. He's unusual uh, compared to the other guys. Usually, they're revelations that are over a large time period, or they're a very short book, as in the case of some of these uh, shorter minor prophets. And his is, he's a, a long, longer of the minor prophets, 14 chapters. Really, 100, almost 100% of it is happening in one night. I don't know if he's writing it down in a single night, but he certainly is uh, he's experiencing these things uh, in a single night. So we're going to be in Zechariah chapter 3. We're going to look at the first four verses. Now, last time we were looking at anti-Semitism and other things, and the chapter was more difficult, I would suggest to you, than the imagery that we're going to see here as far as just uh, practical application. It says, then he showed me, so, so we, remember Zechariah's in a vision, he's standing there with an angel who's an interpreter for him, effectively, of what's going on, and so that's who the he he's referring to here. Then he showed me Joshua. Who's Joshua? Joshua was a l- real guy. He was a high priest, serving at that time for the nation of Israel. So he showed me Joshua, the high priest, not the book of Joshua, Joshua, this is 400 years later. Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. So he's standing in his place, serving on the behalf of the nation of Israel. This is the imagery going on. And Satan, now wait a minute, standing at his right hand to accuse him. Now the thing begins to come apart here. It's getting really weird, and it is weird. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. So why would the Lord say to Satan, the Lord rebuke you? Unless the Lord is something somewhat different than the Lord. Does that make sense? Maybe not. Not trying to confuse you. Guys, the Lord of the Bible is triune in nature, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the Lord can speak on behalf of the Lord, referencing him to him in the second person, as in this case. So you have God the Son speaking on, fact, on behalf of God the Father. Does that make a little bit more sense? So that's why the Lord can say, the Lord... The Lord can say, the Lord rebuke you. Does that make sense? Okay. So, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. So it doesn't just say Joshua, and that's it's appropriate here. Joshua's the high priest. He's representing all the people. He's representing the city. He's representing all the people here. So it's not just Joshua who, who's, who's Satan is accusing. He's accusing all the Israelis. Is this not a brand plucked out of the fire? Have you ever played in the fire? Pulled a stick out of the fire, it was lit in the fire, you pulled it out of the fire, it continued to smoke. That's what he's saying. You got a smoking stick here. Well, now Joshua, it says, was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel. And he stood and said to those who were standing, the angel of the Lord says this before him, saying, Remove the filthy garments from him. That's good news. Again, he said to him, See, I have taken your iniquity away. So it's not just a change of clothing, it's a change of spiritual status taken your iniquity away from you and will clothe you with festal robes. So it actually is a good story, but it starts off in a really bad way. And we're going to consider the three main characters here, the accuser, the accused, 
And then ultimately, where the, good, where the story gets good is when we get to the advocate. So let's consider first the accuser and three things underneath him, his person, his ploy, and his position. His person. You should notice here, Satan is pictured here in the most prominent role that is accusing of sinners. He is a person here. And why do I say that? Because, well, because you look in the dictionary and you look under the title of Satan and it will say he's the personification of evil. Now, you're welcome to think that. In fact, you're welcome to think whatever you want. I won't infringe on your rights to think as weird as you want to think. Knock yourself out. But I will say you infringe on my rights when you say the Bible doesn't say what it says. It says in the Bible that he's not a personification of evil. He is actually a person. He's a living entity, sentient being, knowledgeable, only in one place. He's a spirit being created by God, nonetheless fell from his position that God created him to be. He's not a personification of evil. He is an actual person. Let's run down the list of those who's standing there. So Zachariah sees the Lord, right? He's a person. Sees the angel of the Lord. He's a person. He sees Joshua. He's a person. Zechariah himself is a person, right? The angel who's interpreting for him is a person. So what is Satan? Yeah, he's a person. Let it be what it says. Like I said, don't, you don't have to believe it. I'm not going to infringe on your ability to be stupid. But I'm <laughs> not. But let the Bible say what it says. Let it speak for what it says. Don't try to make it say something. Well, that's not really what it means. What it means is, well, no. Let it say what it says. The Lord is a person. He is. Zachariah saw all of them. They were not in different classifications. All right? They were all there, this courtroom scene. So that's his, per his person. Excuse me. Now let's consider his ploy. And this is very important. Because typically we think of Satan, we think of him as what? The deceiver, right? The tempter, right? I would suggest to you, biblically, which is all we're coming from, why would you care what I think? I can't, I can't, I don't even like the way I think, all right? But if, we, if, if we're speaking the truth, we can only say the truth when we're speaking from the Scriptures. From the Scriptures, his primary role is not that of a deceiver or a tempter. I'm not saying he doesn't do that stuff. The Bible does say he does that. But, but to say you're being tempted every time that that's the devil, no. I, I, the Bible says very clearly in the book of James that when we're tempted, we're led astray by our own evil desires. The devil doesn't even have to mess with you because you're running on, cope, on autopilot all by yourself. You're just out there getting yourself into all kinds of trouble because of the way you're thinking, which leads to the way you're acting. And you say, the devil made me do it. No, he did not. He's got a very easy job when it comes to you if that's what you're doing, not controlling your thoughts. So, again, tempting, uh, deceiving. The Bible says we're pretty easily self-deceived. So I don't think his biggest job really isn't in those areas. And the reason why I say that is not just because I'm not just saying I think. I'm telling you because the scriptures do not give him a title nor a position of those things very, very often. Most often what you find him doing is what he's doing here. He only shows up physically or visibly in the Old Testament two times. In both cases, one in Zechariah, one in the book of Job, he does the same thing. He is accusing. The book of Job, he's standing before God and accusing Job before God. Job will not serve you. Job will turn his back on you. Job will surely curse you to his face. Only let you touch him in his flesh. Only let you touch his stuff, whatever, whatever he has. And he will certainly turn his back on you, accusing him. Again, serving in that role. In this case, he's accusing Joshua and the whole nation of Israel of the sins, which apparently they are very much uh, um, deserving of the accusation because 
He stands in a position of authority. We're going to get to that in just a second. But he's basically only called two names in the Bible, one Old Testament, one New Testament. Or one is an Old Testament name, and the other one's a New Testament name, but they're actually the same name. One is Satan, right here in your scriptures. That's Hebrew. The other one is the devil. That is Greek. That's your New Testament. They're the same name. They both mean the same thing. Not deceiver. They mean accuser. That's his primary role. Again, why do I say that? It's not my opinion. Take a look at what this says. Uh, Revelation 12, verse 10. Now salvation and strength, this is the end times, the last things. This God is summing and wrapping everything up. And part of that is Satan's going to be thrown down from heaven. And the process here, and we're not going to get into all that, but what he says here about Satan I think is instructive for sure. Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accuses them before our God. How often? I'm thinking that's a full-time job, don't you? It's only two times a day, right? Day and night. I guess he does the deceiving part on the weekends or something. Has been cast down. That's going to be a great day, but that day has not arrived, in my opinion, from the Scriptures. Nonetheless, it very clearly says that what he does as a full-time job is he accuses. He accuses. Again, the language here in Zechariah gives us a, a triple emphasis of this accusation part of it. Again, you're... you're your English language has cleaned up, if you will, the Hebrew, because the Hebrew does it. It's, too, it's, it's, a triple, it's a triple emphasis on this. Let me read it to you in the Hebrew, even though I'm going to interpret it in the English. Here's what it says. And Satan and the Satan, Satan and the Satan, so one is his, there was an accuser, and now his official title is the accuser. And Satan and the Satan was standing at the right hand of, of Joshua to Satanize him. That's literally what it says. Or read it this way. And accuser, who is the accuser, was there to accuse Joshua of the things that he did and the, the filthy garments that he has on. This triple emphasis, why? Because that's really what his job is. I'm not saying he doesn't deceive. I'm not saying he doesn't lie, that he doesn't tempt. I'm just saying I don't think, I don't think the Bible teaches us that that's his full-time job. The whole Flip Wilson thing, you know, the devil made me do it stuff. I, I don't think so. I really think, I really think you're having a good job at making you do your own stuff. And so, again, we need to think biblically, and that is something we need to delineate right there. So, so first of all, his person, secondly, his ploy, thirdly, his position. This is the worst of all of it. Now, it's bad that, that we're dealing with this evil guy, but, but the scary part for Joshua, for the nation of Israel, and may I say for you and me, is the position that he stands in. What does it say there in the first verse? says he stands in a very specific place. God, through the Holy Spirit, as he inspires the text of Scripture, does not throw words around. It's not, the Scripture's not, the scripture's not generally inspired. All right? It doesn't make any sense. It either is specifically inspired because words make up sentences, don't they? Sentences make up paragraphs. Paragraphs make up books. And so it either is his words or it is not his words. All right? So take the words for what they say. Where does it say he stands? At the right hand, that's super bad, of Joshua. Because that is a very significant place as far as the Bible is concerned. Because, it, for instance, you find num numerous times in the book of Psalms and also in Proverbs where the writer will say something to this effect. Because the Lord was at my right hand, not my left, not behind me, not necessarily in front of me. Because he was at my right hand, a position of authority, a position of privilege, a position of 
power because I had allowed him to be there and because by his grace he stood with me through my trials and my being ignorant. God was at my right hand, therefore I will not fear, therefore I will not be afraid, therefore I will overcome my enemies, etc., etc., etc. You find the Bible, right? So, so the position of authority, uh, we, have the, we have one of the tribes of, of Israel called Benjamin, right? Our, the prime minister of Israel today, Benjamin Netanyahu, very biblical name. As, as Rachel was giving birth to her son Benjamin, father was Jacob, who was the his name was turned into the name to Israel. She named her son Ben-Onai, which means the son of my, my sorrow. She died in childbirth. That's why she named him that way. He changed that child's name from Ben-Onai to Benjamin, Ben-Yamin, which means son of my right hand, son of my authority, son, son of my love, son, son of the privilege, you see, not son of my sorrow. Very significant name change, a very important name. But So... so Given all that, when we look in the text, then we find that this man Joshua was standing before the Lord, which is a great place for him to be, but that Satan is at his right hand, we should be saying, uh, oh, major uh of a oh, this is bad. This is super bad. Because why? Because Satan, we, we, we tend to think Satan does whatever he wants to. He does not. Satan is underneath authority. God's in charge. Everybody good with that? God is in charge. Satan doesn't have free reign. He's got a leash. He's got a fence. He doesn't just do whatever he wants to. Satan is reigned in because God reigns him in, not because he wants to be. Same as you. I mean, why aren't you somewhere else? Because this is where God has you. Right, you think you have free reign, but you do not. God is in charge. God is in charge. Satan, he, Satan's not going to, in the presence, <laughs> consider the scenario here. You've got the Lord, the Father, the, the, the angel Lord, who is the Son, and the high priest of Israel standing in the presence of the Lord, why would Satan, in all of his craziness, ever think to stand anywhere where he did not belong? He doesn't, doesn't, he just, doesn't just stand there. He's not told to step down from there. He's in a position of authority and privilege because he's got a right to be there. He's got an airtight case against the accused. That's why he's standing there. He's not backing down. He's not being asked to back down because he's got a right. He's got a position with regards to us, a position of prosecution. And listen to me, he's got an airtight case against you. So let's put yourself in the position of Joshua, and you're standing before the Lord today, and Satan is standing at your right hand saying, you're a sinner, she's a sinner, he's a sinner. Is he right? Yeah, I believe he is. He's a really bad sinner. Yep, I believe he'd be right about me. Notice something else here. Joshua doesn't say a single thing in this whole, this whole exchange. Why doesn't he? Because there's nothing to say. There's nothing to say. He's sewed up. He's done. There's, there's nothing to say about him. The, 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 what he's wearing obviously demonstrates that He's undone, and Satan, at his position of authority, accusing him, he's got a right to do what he's doing. He's earned, I should say, Joshua has earned Satan the right to stand where he stands, you see. You have earned through your sin a position for Satan in your life. I hope you know that. Now, it's going to be important that you follow all the way through this sermon and not just say, oh, well, the preacher said I'm done. Because there is an advocate. There is an advocate. This is a good story. 
This is not a bad story, but you're not ready for the good news until you understand the bad news. And understand, Satan believes the Bible. Do you believe the Bible? This one, the one who sins, it says, will die. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Well, can I be Satan for just a second? Then why aren't you dead? Or, and I should, let me just say this. Let me speak to God on your behalf. Why haven't you killed him yet, God? Why isn't she dead, God? This isn't just speaking of death in the sense of six feet under. It's speaking about death in the sense of hell. Why isn't she in hell, God? Why aren't they getting what they deserve if your scriptures are correct, God, that the sinner dies... Why do they live? Can you hear the accusations that he hears day and night from this individual? Can you hear them? He's right, isn't he? He knows what the scripture says. He curses us. Why? Because we're cursed. Cursed is anyone who does not uphold the words of the law by carrying them out. Have you ever broken God's laws? Then you're cursed. So if he curses you, does he have a right? Does he have a position of authority? Yeah, man. Yeah, man, he does. He really does. And so this is a scary spot where we find him. Listen, he knows our stuff. He loves to bring it up. He loves to wield shame and guilt into our lives. And outside of Christ, let me tell you something. He's got authority in your life. He's got a position of authority. Apart from you coming to Christ and trusting him and coming to the advocate, listen, you can plead that an advocate speak on your behalf, or you can stand in that courtroom by yourself, but you won't be by yourself. There is going to be an accuser. You've earned that right. But God has earned for you through the death of his son, Jesus Christ, an opportunity, a right, if you will, to have an advocate stand there before you. I would strongly suggest that you flee for the advocate. But let's, we get to him in just a second. So we've considered the, the accuser. Let's look at the accused here, verse 3. It says, now when Joshua was clothed with filthy garments, standing before the angel of the Lord. And we're going to get to that filthy garment in just a second. But, but uh, I, I want you to look at this guy. You see this guy right here? That is a scuba diver. Anybody scuba dive here? Anybody make money scuba diving? Maybe you. Someday, right? Anybody else make money scuba diving? Did, used to, right? I guarantee you, I don't care what you do, most of this room, even collectively, even we, whatever we do, will not make as much money as this guy does. Scuba diving. Now, I would say that to say, oh, I want his job. Well, I haven't told you what his job is yet because you don't want his job. Where he scuba dives is not exactly the Caribbean. He, he's what's called a poo diver. They process sewage with bacteria, aerobic and anaerobic, and they do it with these big vats, and they have to stir it all the time because that's just what you do with poo. And because of its mechanisms and other things that happen, stuff breaks down, and who goes to fix it? That's why they pay him the big bucks. And it would have to be, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just, money isn't that, can't be that good. <laughs> Here's another picture of, you know, one last breath before he goes under. Yeah. Wow. Why did I bring that up? Number one, because you were all hungry thinking about lubies, and I'm just telling you, <laughs> we got a solid 20 minutes to go here. The other reason is, is because that's exactly, I can't think of a better picture of what we have here with, when we talk about Joshua in verse 3, that Joshua was clothed with filthy garments. The word filthy there doesn't mean, what, if you're, did your mom ever say you were filthy when you came in from playing outside? 
My mom said that, that to all, the, all of us every time we came in. And, they, and we were. We rolled around in the dirt. We had a little bit of fish guts on us or something. I mean, we, we were filthy. Don't come in with those clothes on. Hose yourself down, right? This, but she didn't mean what they mean, or I should say what the Holy Spirit means when he says that Joshua was clothed in filthy clothes. When he was saying Joshua was clothed in filthy clothes, he's talking about poo. It literally means sewage. As if Joshua was free diving in a septic tank, okay? That, that is what he was saying to Joshua. What is God's position on sin in our lives? See, we tend to think of sin as just a bad thing that God says, no, 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 you bad little boy. Stop doing that, you bad little girl. God calls it filth, nastiness. Well, I don't think it's that way. Well, it's not your heaven. It's not your eternity. We'll be far better off if we'll hold an opinion, again, that is biblical, that is God-centered, and not man-centered. And that's God's opinion. Joshua is standing there clothed in filthy garments. He's not only representing himself and his sins, but also the whole nation of Israel. So we might say, whoa, what sinners, right? Oh, yeah, they were. What bunch of sinners they were. What bunch of sinners we are. Look at this, Isaiah 64. Verse 6, all of us, how many of us? All of us have become like one who is unclean. All of our righteousness, righteous acts are as filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. And notice here carefully, we've been talking about the sins of Joshua and the sins of the nation of Israel. What does it say about, does that say anything about sins? It does at the bottom. But what does it say our filthy rags are as a result of? Our righteous acts. So the stuff I thought was good, the, the, the days when I thought I got it, the days when I was really on my religion, if you will, God says, filthy rags to me. Why? Because it doesn't, if you sinned already, it doesn't matter. So I put on a fresh set of clothes over a poop-covered clothes. Have I done any good for myself? I still stink. If the whole world can say, oh, Pastor Bill finally got on a fresh pair of clothes. But the fact is, the poo's still there, you see. The stain's still there. The filth's still there. And the pro- that's my real problem. The problem with Joshua is the poo I can't get rid of. The filth I can't change. I can't stop it. Unless I have an advocate. I can't undo it. And so he's not only smelling like poop, he's smelling like smoke. Look at verse 2. So the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked out of the fire? I said back to your camping out. Messing with the fire. You stick a fire, stick, stick in the fire, and you, it's on fire, right, in the fire, and you pull it out. It continues to smoke. That's, that's literally what the Hebrew says. It's a smoking stick. He's so close, listen, to judgment that he's smoking. Listen, so... so so I know you came here for encouragement, so here's your encouragement. Not only do you smell like poo, but you smell like smoke. Again, I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to beat you down, but I will say this. You're not ready for the good news until you've heard the bad news, or I should say the real news. The real news is, is that in the eyes of God, this is us. That's the bad news. So, so yes, God loves us, but know no, no for certain that he will throw a person like you and me into hell. He has to. Because if he lets you in with that stuff, what is he doing with heaven? 
He lets you in because, because for any other reason other than you being cleansed, then what's he going to do to heaven? It doesn't make sense. He's not going to do it. He's not. You're not ready to hear the good news until you've heard the bad news, that you're the accused and that their accuser has a, a position of authority in your life. You need to know that. Now you're ready to hear the good news. I know I am. That there is an advocate, verse 2. We've already read that. Look at verse 4. He spoke to him, remove the filthy clothes and the garments from him. This is a total act of sovereignty, act of grace, act of forgiveness. Joshua has said nothing. He's done nothing. Nothing's changed. He hasn't gotten better. He hasn't turned over a new leaf. He hasn't brought up another plea. The accuser has accused him. He's 100% correct. He's got an airtight case. Yet nonetheless, God in his grace says, no, change his clothes. See, I have taken your iniquity away from you. We'll clothe you with festal robes. Neither the accuser nor the accused anticipated the grace of the advocate. Why do we have an advocate? The Bible says we do. His name is Jesus. Here he goes. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, anybody? We have an advocate with the Father. Do you have an advocate? That's a great question. You're going to stand on your own two feet before the, the holy God of all the world, and you're going, to ploy, you're going to state your own case without an advocate? Not well advised. We have an advocate before the Father. It's not you. It's His Son, Jesus Christ the righteous. Come to the advocate. Trust the advocate. Call on the advocate. Search for the advocate because He's searching for you. The advocate has done three things, it says here for us. Three things for, for Joshua, three things for us. Number one, it says that he has chosen us. Notice what it says there in verse, uh, verse 3. I'm sorry, verse, verse 4. I'm sorry, somewhere it says Jerusalem. I can't find it. There it is, verse 2. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you, it says. The Lord who has chosen to Jerusalem such powerful words that we find also in our New Testament about God's choice of us. God, notice, chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. No, wait a minute, I thought I chose Jesus. Well, you did. But he chose you first. He chose you first. Why? Because he's always known, he's always known that you would choose him. When did God learn? You don't believe that. When did God learn that you would choose him then? Was there some date on the calendar? Oh, yeah. She's going to become a believer. She's going to come into Christ. She's going to trust him. My salvation is going to go to him. When was that dawn of awakening happening for God? It never happened to him. He's always known it. Thus, he chose you. And notice, set it up where you would be holy and blameless before him. So, yeah, in Christ, you see, we've already been chosen. We've already been, we've already, he, he's already worked his work in us. He's already doing what he's going to do. We've been chosen in him. And then secondly, it says the advocate has rebuked the enemy for us. I mean, talk about a thing that needs to happen. Joshua has nothing to say. You have nothing to say. If you're going to stand there by yourself, you have nothing to say. But God has a rebuke prepared for the devil if you'll trust his advocate. Notice, if God is for us, Who's against us? See, that's the bottom line. If you really have an advocate, you have no accuser. Isn't that beautiful? 
If you have trusted the advocate, you no longer have an accuser because he has nothing to accuse you for because your sins have been paid for. I'm suffering today, and I say I'm still paying for my sins. No, you are not. Christ has paid for your sins. That is done. He suffered for your sins. I'm not saying there's consequences for decisions you make, and there's discipline that God brings in your life for decisions you make, but you're not paying for your sins. They have been paid for. There is no accuser against you. He who died, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? And these are rhetorical questions, and the answers are all no one. That's the answer. It's rhetorical. God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Again, no one. Christ Jesus, who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. So the advocate goes to the position of authority with God. On your behalf, I'm thinking you're going to make it. Aren't you? I think we are in Christ. I think we are. I do believe because of the advocate. The advocate has chosen us. The advocate has rebuked the enemy for us. And finally, the advocate has changed our garments. We see that here in Joshua. such a beautiful picture of what forgiveness does. I mean, is it literal garments I wear? No. These stains, this filth is in my soul, you see. Just give us this imagery here so we can understand it. Don't you want that changed? You can't change that yourself. What has been done cannot be undone. Only through the power of God and the forgiveness of sins that comes through His Son, Jesus, comes through trusting the Advocate, can you have the filth of that sin removed from your life? Do you want that? I can't understand why anybody wouldn't want that. Not just a matter of feeling good for the day, it's a matter of feeling good for Ever. He has come to change our garments, as it says here in Isaiah 61. Notice, he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. It's his stuff. It's his salvation. It's his righteousness. I don't have any of that. As a bridegroom, notice, it's not just clean clothes. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. We're not just talking clean. We're talking nice stuff. Festal stuff, just like it says here in, in the book of Zechariah. Beautiful stuff. So the question remains simply this. You definitely stand accused. And there definitely is an accuser in a position of authority in your life. The only way you can change that is to have an advocate. The only way, and God has given you, there's only one of those, and his name is Jesus. Scripture says, to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. Have you accepted? I mean, I'm not asking if you don't, you believe that Jesus is the Savior. Is he your Savior, though? Have you actually made the step? Okay, he's the advocate, but I haven't actually accepted his services? Not smart. Have you accepted Jesus' advocacy in your life? Have you said, Jesus, I, I accept the forgiveness of sins, the, the change of garments that you offer me? Have you done that? Have you trusted him? Have you called him? The scripture says, as many as call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, will be rescued, will be delivered, will be cleansed, will be forgiven. All that comes together in the package. I'm going to ask you, please, to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And I want us to think about, I want you to think about yourself, first of all, in the position of this man, Joshua. He stood there representing himself and the people of Israel. You're not representing anybody but you. 
Can you honestly say your garments would be any cleaner? Can you honestly say that you would have any more words to say than he did before your accuser when your accuser says she's a sinner? He's a sinner. He's messed up. Isn't he right? Well, listen, since you already know how that's going to go, then won't you choose the advocate today? Won't you call out for him who has died to pay for your sins, died to wash away this nastiness, paid for new clothing for you, if you will, to make you right and clean before God, the advocate, God's son, Choose him today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for giving us an advocate. You've always known how it was going to go. You always know that we were going to mess up, that accuser would have every right to accuse us standing at our right hand. And so you've always planned for there to be an advocate. Now the ball's in our court. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would choose your advocate today. I thank you for all those who choose him, that, that he changes us permanently. He forgives us permanently, makes us right with you permanently. Thank you for the assurance that we have on your word itself that says it. Thank you, God, for being absolutely as good as your word. We trust you today, and we trust this message today and the power of it into your hands. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptist.org.